This is Off the Red Carpet with George Pinocchio, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Off the Red Carpet. I'm George Pinocchio, and today I am joined by an actor who we've been seeing for 30 years on film and on television. You'll know him. His name is William Fickner. Right now you see him starring on TV's Mom on CBS, but... William has a big deal now in his life. It's his passion project. It's a film that he has directed and co-written and stars in, and it's called Cold Brook. And I like when you go to IMDb, Mr. Fickner, and see that you leave it a little bit mysterious. You don't want us to know too much about your movie, although we're going to get some of it out of you today. <laughs> well, there is the... You've seen the film, so... I have, yes. You know, there is... There's, uh, there, there is one element about it that, that I, I, I dance around a little bit only because it's a bit of a surprise in the, in the storytelling of it all. Um, it's about two guys and yeah, their best friends. Two ordinary guys in a small town, best friends for life since they were kids. Um, you know, they, they grew up together, they worked together, and these guys have an extraordinary experience and ultimately... Uh, are faced with the decision of how far do you go to help a stranger. Right. And that stranger is played by... Harold Perrineau. Right. Who was on Oz back in the day. And your best friend is Kim Coates, who was on Sons of Anarchy with, with, that made a big splash on television. But I'm looking at your resumes coinciding, and you guys did um, Pearl Harbor. You did Black Hawk Down. You were both on Entourage at some point. How long have you known this guy, and are you best friends in real life? <laughs> We actually are best friends in real life. I met Kim uh, 2001 in Rabat, Morocco, shooting Black Hawk Down. I was over there. Uh, uh, our Blackhawks didn't show up. Uh, they were three weeks late, so we were doing a lot of training with, <laughs> with the Czech stunt team. And our last Delta guy came over, Kim Coates. I knew who he was, but I'd never met him before. And... Um, he came on set one day, and they were like, uh, this is Kim Coates, and he'll be with your team. And he walked over, and he was like, hey, man. I said, how's it going? He goes, where are you from? I said, Buffalo. He said, go Sabres. I went, wow, okay. I got a buddy here, right? I got a hockey guy. <laughs> and uh, found out, you know, we were there for five months together and, and found out that he lives about 12 minutes from my house. Uh, and that was the beginning of it. You know, I mean, I, I met my best friend when I was 44 years old. That's awesome, I think. There's something about Kim Coates I want to discuss. When you see, do we have to? Do we have yes, to talk about him? Just for a moment. All right, all right. But not much, him, though. No, please. No, no, no. Of course, it's all about you. But when we talk <laughs> about Kim Coates and we see him on camera, often he's playing these very intense characters, and he's got these piercing blue eyes that can sometimes look very, very intense and don't mess with me. Kind of, he knows how to do it. You have taken those eyes and kind of made them friendlier and approachable in this role does that make sense to you it, now when i see his eyes it's like i want to know this guy listen coachy and i talk about this all the time you know uh i'll be with him because you know we hang out together i'll be with him people go oh man look at you you two guys man two like like the ultimate bad guys and I, you know we'll walk away and i'll look at coats and i'm like you know <laughs> what's that all about what i've said it for 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 a dozen years if you have cheekbones and blue eyes in this business people think you kill people um, but you know, Coach and I just talked about this the other day. I think if I look, I look at the list of films that I've done in my life, you know, heavies, arguably super heavies, maybe, maybe 10 out of 50, um, comedies, 
way more than that. Sure. And but still, it's this identifiable thing. People get a, you know, if they get locked in in an image on something, and I'm not saying I feel locked in at all, but I, but I get it. I get it. Well, so with Kim, you know, and in write in the writing of Cole Brook, it was always meant to be. I mean, it, it, backing up to Morocco after Morocco. A few years after that, I said to another great friend of ours, Kane DeVore is his name, and he's like my little brother. And I said, I have an idea for a story, but I want to write it. And it, But I'm writing it for me and Kim. It's a story about friendship. And so it's going to begin there. I don't want to do it with anybody else but Kim. Um, and it was always meant to be these two small town guys. And they weren't going to be. I didn't want to tell a story about guys that were crazy. I wanted to tell a story about guys who go fishing and, you know, light fireworks because it's fun. It's kind of huck finn a little bit <laughs> i'll take that it is there's i'll a, take that there's an adventure that's going on and sure two men are boyish in a way and when i say about kim's eyes being kind of friendlier and and he sees like for the first time certain things and it's kind of exciting and huh. you have the same look in your eyes so there's a real approachability to these two guys that i think is going to be fun for moviegoers to see we would want to be your friends i think when people you know the experience that we've had uh, over the last year taking it to some festivals and and it's been interesting because you know the the earthier festivals really really get it like Berkshire and Woodstock and Napa and and we went to all of these festivals with the film but one of the things that I love about it and as we started off this conversation saying you know I'm I'm a little quiet about some elements of of the film because one of the things that I love most when people see the movie and I've heard this more than anything else is I had no idea it was going in that direction and I love that um, that the story goes off like that so we shall see it lets you suspend belief a little bit if you uh, maybe are a little bit sarcastic in your life or or questioning in your life. This lets you kind of just go for a neat ride. Yeah, a neat ride in uh, in upstate New York, which is which is where I was so committed to shoot the film. And uh, I had opportunities maybe three or four years ago. There was a possibility of maybe shooting it in in. Uh, Somebody talked about, you know, shooting it up in Canada. And then when I finally met these two Canadian producers that came on board, they really wanted to shoot it up north. And I said, no, we, we have to shoot it in, in western New York. I wrote it for there. There's no reason to go anywhere else. Um, but it's tough. It was tough to shoot it in western New York because of tax incentives. So, you know, a little piece of history that four years ago, the, the local film commissioner in western New York, a, a gentleman named Tim Clark, came to me and asked me, he called me up, he said, can, can you be in Buffalo in a couple of weeks on a, on a, I remember it was like a Wednesday morning in July for a breakfast meeting. And I said, sure, Tim, what's that? He goes, you gotta be here. So I flew back to Buffalo and it was meeting some uh, local state senators about the fact, and my part of it was like, I have a little film that I would like to make, but I can't get anybody behind me because the tax incentive is, is pretty much, you know, null and void, it's, it's not much at all. And the money is allocated, but if you don't have the incentive, you don't build it, they won't come. Out of that meeting, the legislation was introduced and Governor Cuomo passed it. And now there's film production in Buffalo is on the rise all the time. And right now, I'm shooting big things. And because of you. Because, well, I mean, I was a part of it. Awesome. Because of all of it, we really cared about it. There is one problem with your movie now. Yeah, give me it. There's this man named Kit Clark as a news anchor when it should be George <laughs> Pinocchio. Well, you know, I'm telling you, and, and we struggled over that. And it was a big thing. <laughs> Well, the gentleman I was just talking about, Tim Clark, the film commissioner, who I could not have made the film without, um, 
And the gentleman that was in, in charge of our post-production, his name is Kit. So I'm sitting there one day thinking, what am I going to name it? I'm like, oh, well, it's got to be Kit Clark. So there it is. <laughs> and he's and he's a real newscaster in Buffalo. I think that's perfect. Yeah. The guy came in to read for me, and, and he said, I have the pages. He was kind of nervous. I said, just read it like you're, you know. what I asked him, I said, what's the story at the end of the newscast where it's like, and today, a little fun thing happened. And he goes, uh, it's, what do you for, call it? He called it the kicker or something. Yeah, that's it. Um, I said, well, I, I, do it like the kicker. So I'm sitting in a room with the video rolling, and he, he takes the, the, the monologue in front of him, and he reads it. And I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised because that's what he does. But he read it, and I was like, oh, my God, that's, like, incredible. Please show up in two weeks and do it. And he did. Oh, you need to have some kind of a special showing out there because that's fantastic. He'll get all of his viewers to come, and that'd be cool. Well, we we did. I did a. Did. <laughs> I I went back to Buffalo last uh, December, a year after we shot the film, and there's an old 700 seat theater called the North Park Theater, and and they donated the you know they're uh, a first run movie house, and they closed it on a Sunday night, so I could have a thank you Buffalo for everybody that worked on it. The mayor, the the politicians, Senator Gallivan, who introduced the legislation, and they were all there. That's really nice. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you also have someone in this film that is very close to you, because in the credits I noticed Kimberly Fickner. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> we were, it was probably three or four months before we started shooting. Uh, I knew we had the money or most of it. We were going to go forward and uh, we're going to make this happen. And, and Kimmy, one day, I, one day she just says out of the blue to me, I'm in it, right? And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, honey, absolutely. Um, she's like, can I play one of your wives? I'm like, no, no, that's not happening. So there were not many options, but I, I liked the idea. And I really wasn't thinking about it before that, about her playing Vicky the Waitress in Junior's Joint. And uh, I, I just a quick story about Kimmy, because... Kimmy was an actress. She worked in, in many things in the sitcom world. And and when she got pregnant, she was just like, you know, with our younger one, I'm good. I want to be a mom. God bless her. So she hadn't acted in a really long time. And I remember the first day she was on set. And I was a little bit nervous of like, oh, boy, I hope this works well. And, and it just happened to be that the coverage we're going to get first is her that day. She had a couple of lines in this scene. And she walked in and... and she did the first take, and I said, all right, cut, cut. I took her on the side, and I was like, that was absolutely fantastic. She just blew me away. She hadn't acted in, in, in over a decade. I was so happy. I was so relieved. And like, wow. Well, it was Anyway, worked out great. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. You probably, or maybe you didn't, but when I'm working on something, I like to get the title out of the way first and then continue on. Did you have the title first? Did it come to you as the movie went on? Well, when, when I sat down with Kane and we started to write the film, um, I couldn't quite, I couldn't center it because, uh, you know, I knew it was, we had an idea. I had an idea about the guys and then, you know, Kane and I were going back and forth and, you know, finding some sort of event that was just secret to them. Uh, I wanted something that inspired their best selves to come out. Um, those were the things we were thinking about in the beginning, and really that's where Harold's part, Gill, came out of that. Uh, you know, we didn't set off with this historically significant storyline. It really evolved out of the friendship thing. 
But I said to Kimmy one day, I feel like I, I feel like I don't know where to put it. And uh, the film itself uh, wasn't grounded in that. And she said, well, back up the clock a little bit. In the fall of 1974, when I in my freshman year of college at SUNY Farmingdale on Long Island, I met my college girlfriend, Rosie. A couple of months after that, Rosie took me to visit her family in Cortland, New York. Um, and I met her brother, Junior, which character of Junior is named after. Um, they have a family farm. Um, they lived in Cortland, but about 10 miles outside of Cortland on a road called Colebrook Road. It was the Contento family farm. On top of the ridge on the whole big like valley that they, the family farm is, there's a hunting cabin up there. And it's the cabin that's in the film. And Kimmy said to me, my wife, Kimmy, said, put it in Cortland. I mean, it's like you and Junior and Timmy and his cousins and everybody. You guys just goof around and run around like nuts every time you go up there. Just make it Cortland. All of a sudden, I had a light bulb moment. It's going to be Cortland. So from the very beginning, I looked at Kane one day and I said, it's called Colebrook. And then we thought, well, are people going to think it's 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 cold with such a warm movie? And I'm like, well, I don't care. Let's see how let's see how it goes. Is anybody ever going to change it? We'll find out if we if we're so lucky to shoot it someday and get distribution. And somebody says, you know, I really don't like the title. Well, if you change the title, it's it's certainly in the movie quite a bit. You know, we talk about the brook, and mm -hmm. nobody's ever said a word. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think the title is good, and there's a nice shot that we won't give away that just kind of happens, yeah, somewhere in the film. Somewhere. All right. <laughs> You are. You said warm and a name cold, and this is something for people who are who think you're edgy, and maybe you are sometimes. Warm us up here because this is a family film that you have created, and I want to know: is that always the film, the type of film you wanted to make for your first one, or not? This this was this was the film that that I truly wanted to make. The rhythms of this film, in uh, in, in particular. Um, Coldbrook was uh, Coldbrook was was always meant to be this this uh, 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 this friendship, this easygoing thing. I wanted to capture the small town. Um, you know, I wanted to capture it in 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 the music and the rhythms, and and I also wanted to capture I. I've hung around with Kim so much since two thousand one when we met. I, I I know the shorthand and the friendship, and I wanted to. I wanted to bring that to, to the movie um, because I, I, I'm going to tell you this too. I, I remember we, we wrapped the film. We're about three months into editing it. And thank God I'm working on mom and the days are short because I would finish mom at two in the afternoon and then run over to the edit bay on Ventura Boulevard. And then we'd work till whatever hour. Um, I was three months into editing. I, I called Coates up and I said, you know, I, I know this sounds obvious and I've been working on this for three months, but I'm watching us and, and it just dawns on me. I don't think you could rehearse this this friendship and get what we have on on screen. I just don't think you could get it. Um, uh, there's a chemistry there that's that's uh, uh, it's you and I being a bunch of goofballs. And that was always meant to be what it was going to be from the beginning. I, I wanted I wanted that sort of story. So you co-wrote this and you have written lines and now you go to shoot and between you and Kim Coates are sometimes you just doing your own lines because it just works that way or were you a stickler for your script uh, I well I think good scripts you know maybe I'm old school that way but you know good scripts you want to you want to realize the line that's written um, uh, so the goal was always let's uh, let's 
let's get what we're you know let's get what we have down and you know we talk about it as far as the stuff with Kim and I, I mean, we've been talking about it for years building up to that um you know and the other actors uh, I think they felt the same way they they loved the rhythms of what was written but I will tell you that after I after two three or four takes and I felt like like we found the moments I would always say especially with particular actors like Brad Henke who plays Chip Brad is a, is a, an incredible emotional being Make sure you get the first take and the eighth take because he goes somewhere in the middle all over the place. But you got to get him back to that first take. But make sure all cameras are faced on him in the first take because his initial thing is just emotional and it's beautiful and it's right on. Um, so I loved saying to everyone, do you have anything else that you want to do? Because if you do, take a take of that. And how often did you use those takes? Not that often because a lot of times what they did, again, was pretty darn close to what we did in the takes before you did something in the opening scene of this movie that probably would have killed me i certainly would have fallen you are running through the woods in <laughs> uneven territory as if you're on the yellow brick road and it's the easiest thing in the world well it wasn't and <laughs> my my dp ed lucas said to me listen here's the shot and and i have to tell you because i've been thinking about this for so long and going up to Cortland, New York, and, and hanging out in the land up there with my buddies, I knew seven, eight years ago that I would shoot that paintball scene exactly where we did. It would be that little creek bed that runs down. It's the perfect place. It's also the perfect place where you'd, you'd see a little someone else special shows up for the first time. Um, so as we're running down that thing, Ed says to me, right here, hop over the little creek, go run. And I'm like, great, great. I got a million things on my mind. So roll camera, right? We got this whole thing. I get up there. I come running down. Now there's a little bit of a decline. And I didn't, I didn't really see that big tree <laughs> and, and it, with the branches that I have to like high step it through the, oh. Anyway, that was a one taker. <laughs> I'm like, just tell me if it's in focus, let's just, can we move on? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I said, do we get that in focus? Because if we did, we're good. Yeah, I don't know that I would have ever challenged anything. Well, you'll like also that. notice in that scene that I find this tree to hide behind. And when I get to the tree, I'm, I'm giggling. <laughs> yes. And I'm truly giggling because I'm like, oh, I can't believe I didn't just bust my ankle. Ah. No, no injuries during the filming of this movie? No, no. No, zero. Let's talk about the wives in the film for just a moment, because you've taken two relationships that seem very real. Uh, one marriage is not perfect, but you see the love. One marriage is more playful, and you see the love. Um, and then there's a satisfying moment that, of course, I won't give away because I'll get punched by you right now. <laughs> but there is. I'm not that about guy, George. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to spoil you anything that. in your Listen movie. Listen to me. I told you that. <laughs> but I'm saying that I, this was these. Scenes were written, it seems, they seem very real and they seem very gentle. And there was something about the gentleness of these two couples that said that the love is all there. You just move through some awkward times. Yeah, and and uh, uh, thank you for saying that. And I, and, uh, I love hearing that because that was always the goal. You know, the way, I th the way Kane and I thought about uh, Rachel and Hildy, Kim Coates' character, and Mary Lynn Ricekip, she played Rachel, was that they were high school sweethearts and, and this, this secret that comes to them, she feels a little threatened by it, that it, it's taking him away a little bit. And on the other side of the coin, you know, my relationship, Ted's relationship with Marianne, played by Robin Weigert, was 
she's thinking I'm being a little bit too much of a boy these days. And and this secret that comes along in, in my life actually is in, in some ways drawing us closer together. Um, so we wanted that where we'll all end up together in the end, hopefully. But uh, the journeys would not be the same journey. They would be different journeys. But we certainly spent an awful lot of time with the simplicity of it. And I have to be honest with you. I was so happy that Robin was interested in playing the part because I always felt that an actress could read the script and think that it was underwritten for that role. But I, I, to me, it wasn't because she had so many moments that only somebody like Robin can play. And I agree with that because oftentimes when we see Robin on camera, she's a very tough, strong woman. I've seen her, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she can be scary with words. Here, she kind of reins it in and she loves her husband and isn't afraid to ask, where are we? You know, that kind of thing in, yeah. in our life. And I thought, again, nice and subtle. So it, it all feels real in this kind of fantastical story that you helped tell. Uh, one little thing about the, the casting of those two ladies, that we were, we were actually shooting the film, and um, we didn't have the, the, the two wives. Uh, I went out to a couple of actresses, and what I heard back, uh, with lovely responses back, uh, were it's the summer, and, and it's vac- summer vacation with the kids or a family reunion, and I can't do it right now. I wish it was a month from now or was a month ago. And I went back to our, our lovely little hotel in Buffalo, and I said to my wife, Kimmy, I, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, there, I know of other actresses, but I, I'm just not finding it. Kimmy took the little pad next to the phone, and she took out the pen right there in the Westin in Buffalo, and she wrote down two lists for Rachel and Marianne because Kimmy watches everything. She's just completely current on what's happening. And she wrote two lists, and at the top of the list of, um, of Rachel was Mary Lynn, and at the top of the list for uh, Mary Ann was Robin. And she goes, these are your actresses. I knew them, but I'd never worked with them before. And I said, tell me about them. And she said, "Just uh, Robin has this, and she's incredible, and Mary Lynn is this, and it's different than the things that she does, but I really feel like she can find this thing. And my wife convinced me, and, and of course I looked them up, and I knew them in that, and I said, I'm, we sh- shoot with them in, in 10 days from now. Put an offer out the next day. Within 48 hours, they, we were working out their travel <laughs> plans. And they showed up, and I was like, thank you, thank you. And then the real joy for me came with you know what they brought. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It sounds like it was just a great set all the way around to work on. It was, uh, it was lovely, and it was also because it was my hometown. I could not have made the film without without the support of Buffalo. And, I, and I'm just saying, I mean, like truly, truly. I'll give you one example, the, uh, uh, the main exhibit hall space that's in the film. Um, I, I always wondered, you know, we're, we're a tiny little low budget film. How am I gonna fill this up with like artifacts? <laughs> and so one day, uh, about a year before we shot the film, I was back visiting, still like figuring out locations even though we, I don't have a dollar to, to, to make the film. And Tim Clark, the film commissioner I was talking about, said, hey, i got to take you someplace. So he took me to our Buffalo History Museum, which you only go to when you're in fourth grade and you learn American history. It's, you take the field <laughs> trip there, and then you go buy a little rubber dinosaur. So he, we walked in there. It was built in 1902 in the main exhibit hall space in there. Uh, we met uh, Melissa Brown is her name, the executive uh, director of the museum. And I walked in the main, and I thought, oh, my I haven't been here since fourth grade, and this looks like 
this looks like what we wrote. And, um, and she said, so tell me about the story. And I told her and, and she said, so these, these artifacts from this thing are, does anybody handle them or anything? And I said, no, 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 just one particular case that we open up and, and that would be a prop that we would make. And she goes, well, come with me a second. And she takes me down into like the archives and that. And she starts pulling out things from like the mid 1800s and, and there's all these beautiful like display cases. And she goes, you mean display cases like that and things like this? And I'm like, exactly. And she says, well, you can use all of this, you know? Um, wow. And I'm like, so that night we had a dinner with the mayor, our longest running mayor in the history of Buffalo, Mr. Byron Brown. And I told Byron, I said, you know, I went to the museum today, the history museum. And he was like, that's very interesting. You know, I have the keys to that building. And <laughs> the, uh, that history museum with the goodwill of Buffalo for this hometown guy, they, uh, they, they, they closed down, I think, for six or seven days. And, and we shot there. And that's our main, really, set piece. Right, that's outstanding to hear. Yeah, could not have done it without them. Great so community support. Huh? For sure. All right, one more question for sure. you. Uh, you've made this movie. I'm guessing it sparked something within you to continue doing this again in the future. But what did you learn about yourself making this movie that made you just feel good? I, I never knew that I had the uh, level of c concentration that it took. I just I, I, I didn't realize that about um, that I could r retain that much at one time. The, uh, the directing part of it, finding... Uh, an actor's language for each actor because everybody needs to hear things in, in their own way. Um, the writing part to be on top of it at, at every moment. The acting part, I really didn't have time for whatever process I have. The producing part of it, that was the hardest. That was 80% of, of, of your energy. But all of that together with the, with the problems that are going to come along, and they did. <laughs> um, we had weather issues and, oh, boy, we had everything. But uh, And all of that... Uh, uh, I, I didn't have the leeway to, uh, to let it all go, uh, not even a little bit. I, I, I couldn't, and, and I didn't. And I, we all had to stay like that. But, you know, being kind of the somewhat leader of the whole thing, um, I needed to have that sort of focus that could have the ease that this ship is okay and, and there's no water here, so let's keep, let's keep rowing. Well, the movie is fun to watch. I had a good time. I love when that happens when I'm at a movie, and I think people who go to see this know that they can take their kid or they can take their grandmother, and it will be equally entertaining. And I think that is really the sign of when you know you have something, when, when people attach to it. So the movie is called Cold Brook. The star, the director, and the co-writer is William Fickner. And let's talk about the release. Where do we see it and when? Well, it's going to be in uh, November 8th. It comes out and. and uh, select cities around the U.S. I'm, I'm happy to say one of them is is right here at the Lemley in Pasadena, um, which was because I really didn't know where where it was going to be. It's a great theater. Yeah, it's a great theater, and it's and it's just feels like it's such a great theater for this movie. Um, uh, it'll be around um, selected cities ar around the U.S. Uh, uh, video on demand, digital, and there are multiple platforms that that's going to be on. And I'm happy to say that. Uh, you know, I certainly didn't know this before, though I had a pretty good idea that, you know, to make an indie film, there's no guarantee you're ever going to see the light of day or certainly a screen. Um, so, you know, uh, a company called Vertical came along and and I, I had a feeling from the get go that they 
got the movie that I wanted to make and, and believed in it. And so they've been behind us big time. And, uh, and so, you know, they're getting it out there. And, um, you know, it's in two weeks from now, two weeks from today, actually, um, I, I, in a way, I kind of say goodbye to it all. And then it, it takes its own life, whatever that's going to be. And I, I have to say, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, it's time to go. Bye. Yeah, and then you'll it's say hello to great. something else. Oh, I stood <laughs> three weeks after we wrapped Cold Brook. I've been working with a, um, a, a friend, a great writer that's uh, on another script. Awesome. Well, I would like to just tell everyone at home this right now, wherever you're listening. Uh, when you last came to talk to me for your last film, you said that you'd come back when it was time to talk about this one. So you kept your word, and I appreciate that. So Cold Brook, November 8th is the day. Go see it, and thanks for joining me here on Off the Red Carpet, and thank you, Mr. Fickner, for being here once again for us. Thank you, George.